the great things the Lord has done. He is worthy of our praise. So good to see you. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. I trust that that you're doing fine. You look bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You look like you got an extra hour of sleep. I woke up at 5 o'clock thinking it was 6 o'clock. Thanking the Lord for an extra hour, then stayed up the whole extra hour watching TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Finally, at 5.45, I said, I got to get up and get out of here. But uh, we're rested, we're, we're ready to go, and we've already had a great service at 8.30, trusting the Lord. You know, with all that is going on in the world, all that is going on in our nation, all that is going on in our lives, I think the opening hymn is so fitting. The chorus says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. The writer begins by talking about our hope that is built on Jesus' blood and righteousness. What a great hope and stable ground we have in our Savior. And I want you to know that today in a worship service. I want you to be renewed in that and ready to go forward knowing the high ground of Christ. Stand if you would. Let's lift our voice. Let's sing with all of our heart. God bless you as you do. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. lovely face. I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He sought His covenant, His blood, Support me in the whelming flood When all around my soul gives way He then is all my hope and stay On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand When we shall come with trumpet sound Heavenly Father, thank you for this solid foundation that we have in you, Father. Father, thank you for giving us the Bible that we can hear the truth, know the truth, and see the truth in your word, Father. Father, this is a big week coming up on Tuesday. Father, as Christians, we got to vote. And Father, we need to vote according to your Bible. Father, we could look at the news media 
And all that will do is confuse us, Father. Father, if we go to your book and read what's written in there, it'll show us how to vote this Tuesday. Father, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask it of God. May that be happening this Tuesday, Father. Father, thank you for being here and being present with us. Where two or more are gathered, you are present. Father, when we walk in this building, we feel your presence. We feel the secure of your name, Father. Father, I ask that today, if someone's here and they haven't accepted you as their Savior, that today be the day that they receive the Lord and Savior as their, in their heart, Father. Let them walk forward. Let them text us. Let us call. Even if people online can reach out to us, Father. Father, I ask you to be with Pastor Hunter as he brings us to the ending of chapter 8 of John, Father. Father, I just ask you to preach to him and let us hear your word through him, Father. Father, be with us now as we turn around and wave to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn around and greet your neighbor with a wave. As you come back, remain standing. As you find the Lord Jesus to be the solid rock in which we stand, as you stand on Him, you find Him to be wonderful. You find Him to be beautiful, greater than your most important concentration or hope. And eventually, you will realize that He is holy God, to whom all praise is due. I love this little chorus. I trust you stand in awe today of our great God and our great Savior. Lift your voice now. Majesty and throne 
know of you. I stand, I stand in awe of you. Only God to whom all praise is due. I stand in awe of you. Amen. Be seated if you would, please. I love that chorus because... It just shows how beautiful the Lord Jesus is when you see him by faith. You know from the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah that the Bible says that when Jesus walked on the face of the earth, that there was no beauty in him that you would desire him, which means that nobody chose Jesus because of his physical attraction. Secondly, it talks about the moment that the Lord Jesus was there in Pilate's hall. They beat him so bad that when they were finished, the Bible says that his visage was so marred that you could not even tell that that he was a human. Literally, he was just beaten to a pulp. You know, when you think about the ugliness of those two statements... How radically different it is when you come to the Lord Jesus by faith. Because when you see him by faith and you see him for who he is and what he's done in your life. He takes on a beauty that's beyond description. Too marvelous for words. Too wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing I've ever seen or heard. I can't grasp his infinite wisdom or the depth of his love. Truly his majesty enthroned above. And all I can do is stand in awe of him. I hope that's a reality in your life today. So good again to see you. Thank you for those of you that are joining us online and watching church family, friends around the state, around the nation, around the world. We're so delighted to have you. If you're watching in the Philippines today, you're in our prayers and we will pray for you here shortly. I understand the Philippines are undergoing a Category 5 five typhoon. And so we have many folks that are here in the Philippines and our church are from the Philippines and our hearts are with them and many of them watch online over there. And so just know that you're in our prayers. Um, so good to begin to take our steps back to normal. We had our Sunday school. I wonder you were in Sunday school today. Were you in a Sunday school class? Wonderful. If it was a blessing to you, say amen. If it wasn't, keep your opinion to yourself, okay? And uh, we're delighted about that. I understand that the classes were good and full and the spirit of that was sweet. I know that the children were in here practicing for their Sunday school. We had a great new members classes. We've got folks ready to uh, join the church. And so God truly is good and being good and faithful to us all the time. Let me just make some announcements. First off, if you're visiting with us in the pew in front of you, it should be a connection card. If you'd be so kind as to reach out and fill that out, put it in the offering plate when it goes by. Our church family is used to hearing me say this. They hear this in their sleep, uh, the, the, the request for that. But lives have been changed because somebody filled out a card and put it in the offering plate. That could be your life as well. Online, if you just make a note or register there with us, we'll be sure to reach out with you. It's an important week in our nation. We'll pray for that in just a moment uh, as uh, our nation will make its uh, voice known through its vote on Tuesday. I want you to know that Wednesday night we have our Bible study. We'll be back in the um, series of A Christian Home on Wednesday night, have our Awana and our youth programs. 
I want to remind our veterans that this Saturday we have our veterans breakfast. Would love to have you there. We've got a good sign-up. The sign-up's at the welcome desk. Feel free to invite other veterans and their families. This is a marvelous time to uh, just give honor to whom honor is due. It's a great time to present the gospel. I had the privilege of being at the Veterans Cemetery yesterday. I don't know if you've ever been there up in Boynton Beach. As soon as you drive on the property, you feel like you're on hallowed ground. Brother Bill Lewis, you remember Brother Bill Lewis? We finally had his committal uh, there, and uh, it was just a precious time. Give us an opportunity to honor you as a veteran. We would love that opportunity. Senior Saints, on the 15th of the month, which would be two Sundays from now, we are going to have our Senior Saint Luncheon, and that will be after the service over there. This is something that's an annual event for us. It's usually on a Friday or a Saturday, or I mean a Thursday or a Friday. This year it'll be on a Sunday. Sign up at the welcome desk. All you got to do is bring your appetite. Pastor, I keep seeing that word Senior Saint, but I don't see a number on that. How old do you have to be to be a Senior Saint? Before I tell you the number, I want you to know I inherited the number. I didn't choose the number. I inherited the number 55. Pastor, that offends me. Well, I'm 47, and it's starting to offend me, to be honest with you. So I'm up for a vote to move it down the road a little bit. But right now, it's 55. So, Pastor, you're telling me if I'm 55 years of age on Sunday, November 15th, I can go over there and eat a turkey dinner that's awesome? Absolutely, but you sign up at the welcome desk or you'll be doing the dishes if we're not prepared for you. So uh, I wouldn't have that opportunity. Uh, Thanksgiving baskets, put that slide up if you would. This is something our church does every year. Every year, a pastor stands up here and says to the church body, if you know of a family that has a need at Thanksgiving time, we would love to be a blessing to help that. The way we do that is this. I ask you to call Carol at the office and, and give Carol your name and a family name, maybe families, couple of families. Maybe you know them through work. Maybe you know them in the neighborhood. Maybe they're your own family or family extended in your own opportunities there. But through COVID-19 or through the necessity of life, they could use a blessing at Thanksgiving time. I asked the church family at, to bring in food items for a good Thanksgiving meal. Now, I understand we have people from all over the world that come and worship with us, but at Thanksgiving time, we want to eat American food, okay? So whatever you have in your country, that's fine, but don't send me something that that just doesn't make sense to the mind at Thanksgiving time. It's also not an opportunity for you to discard your hurricane supplies of spam and other things, okay? So you go buy fixings, right? Now, in that basket, we put the food. We put enough for everybody that's in there. If they have a family of six, we put a gift card to Publix um, so they could go buy a turkey, they could buy a ham, whatever they would like to have. And we also put the gospel in there through track and others. And then I give you that box after it's prepared, either the Sunday or Monday before Thanksgiving. You take that box back to your family and say, On behalf of Plantation Baptist Church, we want to be a blessing to you, and we give you this box. 
you can submit as many names as you want to, um, we'll only, but we have to bring in the food for that. Sometimes people say, Pastor, I don't want to bring in food, but I'll give money. Fine, I'll take your money, and either I'll go buy food with it, or I'll buy a gift card with it. You can do it through the offering. But we have an opportunity to be a blessing. Let's take advantage of that if we would. And listen, lives have been changed because of that every year. So uh, the tables in the lobby, we'll begin to collect those supplies, and then we put that out the week of Thanksgiving. The first Sunday of December, put that on your calendar. We have a Christmas concert. Greater Vision will be with us. It's an old-time Southern Gospel uh, quartet, but they do Christmas awesome, and the place will be decorated. It'll be such a blessing. I believe that concert's going to be at 5 o'clock, and I hope you'll come and just be put in the spirit of Christmas. Um, Already, Christmas concerts are going on on the television. We enjoy watching them. We'll have one in our service as well. All right. Oh, you parked on the concrete today. Could I see your hand? Wonderful. That means you're toll-paying customers, and we appreciate that. It's beautiful, isn't it? Right? So... Did you come down 118th Avenue or did you come down 112th? If you came down 118th Avenue, Pastor, I don't know which one that is. I came down through the neighborhood. That's 118th Avenue. I came down by the canal. That's 112th. If you came down 118th Avenue, those people's yards are flooded, right? You saw it. That used to be us, but we've been redeemed, washed by the blood of the concrete, right? And so it's parked on dry, and it's just stunning and beautiful. Pastor, there were little stones all over the place. Okay, right. So we're putting in the landscaping, and they drug all that. We'll get that off. This week should be a big week. They're going to put the lights on the light poles. Light poles, Pastor? I didn't see light poles. Okay, open up your eyes. Light poles out there, and it should be a beautiful canopy on that. The trees and the landscape. Bushes go in all the way around the fence. Bushes go all the way around the fence. Bushes go in out front. Sod goes in the islands there. They're putting in the sprinklers there. And... uh After we get that done, hopefully this week, we pressure wash it. By the way, we're looking for pressure washer bodies, uh, pressure wash, and then we will seal it, then we will mark it so we can park straight, and then the city will sign off on it, and we will walk around it seven times and give God glory and hope nothing falls down. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? Awesome. Man, thank you for praying, for giving. I wish I could just tell you all the stories and the things that God has done. We're not finished yet. We still do need finances. We need prayers. We need all of that. But God is leading and God is good and God is wonderful along the, as he has provided for us. I was introduced to the next hymn by, to, from Brother Rod, uh, probably a few years ago. He, he began to choose the music for Sunday nights and he brought us to this hymn of worship. And it exalts the Lord Jesus in his worthiness to be worshipped. I love the wording of it. I love the, the chorus of it. Father, creator, savior, sustainer, you are worthy and wonderful, worthy of our worship and of our praise. Stand if you would. Let the words just bless you. See in the hymn the right for Jesus to receive glory, honor, and power. And give it to him if you would please. Offerings we bring, you are worthy. 
come to our prayers of the people. I've already mentioned one request, those in the Philippines. I would ask your continued prayer for the Jump family. Many of them may be watching online today, somewhere in our 830 service. You know that their son, Neil, lost his life. They're grieving his loss, and they would need our prayers. Of course, we want to pray for the election, and we want to pray for our nation as we go to the polls this week. And voice our desire for the leadership of our land. Uh, I mentioned in our prayer service on Wednesday night that man makes his voice known through his vote, but God is the one that instills the leadership of our land. The book of Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 5 said, God places over the kingdoms of men whosoever he wills. Pastor, are you afraid I have desires, but I am not afraid. No matter what happens on Tuesday, we have prayed, and we will submit to that as God's man for God's moment, and God's women for God's moment as we move down the way. And I want you to know the stability of that. Of course, we need to pray that God give us leaders that have hearts for Him, that God give us leaders that lead in the direction of righteousness, and we will pray that God turns the heart of our leaders to the ones that they don't. But make no bones about it. The American people will not elect a president. God will put in place a president. Okay? That's a biblical direction. And so, but we need to pray. We need to pray for peace. And we need to pray for comfort. And we need to pray for order and direction and all of that. Many have already gone to the polls. You may be going, I hope and pray. It's a great privilege in our nation to vote. It's a great privilege in our nation to vote. I hope and pray that you take advantage of that. Please bathe it in prayer. Would you pray with me at this time? Heavenly Father, God, I love the line in that hymn that we just sang that said, He's worthy of all the songs that we can sing. That's amazing. Men and women write songs that reflect moments. They reflect memories. They reflect people. They reflect movements. Such is the music of the church as it has been written to bring to the Lord of the church worthy and power and 
worship and praise. And you are worthy of the songs that we sing. I pray today, God, that you do receive worship from your people. Not just Plantation Baptist Church, but your church around the world. It's the first day of the week. This is the day of the week that Jesus rose from the dead. This is the day of the week that the early church met. This is the day of the week that's given corporate to corporate worship. So I pray that you've been pleased today that our worship has been a sweet-smelling sacrifice to you, and it comes from honest hearts. It ought to come from honest hearts because you're honest, God, and you've done so much for us. Lord, I lift the people of the Philippines to you today. Lord, you protect them. The gospel is strong in that land. Churches are strong in that land. And there's wonderful men and women of God that are in that nation. And they've done a tremendous job with the gospel. And so protect them today. And in the midst of that storm, may the shelter of Jesus be just so known. I lift the jump family to you today, God. Continue your comfort in their hearts. May they know God's people are praying for them. Lord, uh, this is a moment in our nation now every four years where we pause and we reflect and we voice direction. And God, millions, millions will do this. The people of God, we do it as well. But we also do it with spiritual understanding that you put in over the kingdom of men, whoever you will. God, our desire is that you would be merciful to us, that you would give us men and women that would lead us in the paths of righteousness, that righteousness would be exalted in our nation and the reproach of sin would not be found. May the peace of God rule and reign in our hearts as believers. And God, would you bring a peace to our nation and just let us go forward here. We thank you so much that we can trust you. And we're trusting you for your perfect way and your perfect will. Father, when I think about creator and sustainer and savior of our lives, I think about, wow, in Jesus I have more than I deserve. That's the offertory. I pray as we listen to it that we realize your grace and your giving in our lives. And if we got what we deserved, it would be an eternity apart from you. But thank you for your love to reach out to us. Bless Danny and I as they sing. Bless us as we give. God, help me preach with power and authority, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you as we give. And God bless you as you listen to this offertory. I am covered by your blood, I'm known by you and loved, with nothing left to prove or hide. By your grace I am redeemed, and my identity is knowing that I am your child. I am grateful to be called your child. Oh, what a gift you gave. Oh, what a price you paid. More than I deserve. More than I deserve. Your constant faithfulness. Your every promise is more than I deserve. More than I deserve.
satisfies calming every hidden fear what a selfless sacrifice the love that gave me life O Lamb of God you brought me here oh what a gift you gave oh what a price you paid more than I deserve, more than I deserve. Your constant faithfulness, your every promise is more than I deserve, more than I deserve, more than all, more than all the riches of this world, more than all, more than all the treasure. I could hold more than all, more than all the riches of this world, more than all, more than all the treasure I could hold. And no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard the glory that will be revealed every tear is wiped away no sorrow will remain the kingdoms of the earth will kneel for the kingdom of our God is here oh what a gift you what a price you paid more than I deserve more than I deserve your constant faithfulness your every promise is more than I deserve more than I deserve oh what a gift you gave oh what a price you paid more than more than I deserve your constant faithfulness your every promise is more than I deserve more than I deserve man if you know the Lord, you're sitting there thinking, that's right, more than I deserve. If I got what I deserved, I'd spend an eternity in a place called hell for my sin. That's what I deserve. But God loved me and he sent his son into the world to die for me and to pay for my sin. And believing upon him that I might have life in his name. You know, the longer that I'm a Christian, the more I realize I don't deserve to be a Christian. I would say... If you ever get to the place where you feel like you deserve, you're in the wrong place. The understanding of grace keeps us humble and keeps us in a position where we're thankful for our salvation. Just let me just remind you of something. Had Jesus not saved you, you'd be damned forever. It's not like we were even close. It's not like we had a chance. We were in condemnation already. 
He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. I, I think one of the weaknesses of God's people today is we, we just forget that we didn't deserve to be saved. I think this is my fifth message that I will have preached from this chapter. It's been a powerful, powerful chapter as John has recorded in this chapter this wonderful moment with Jesus declaring himself to be the light of the world. This wonderful moment as Jesus in declaring himself to be the light of the world is also declaring himself to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. As Jesus is the light of the world and he has come to bring light to a dark world, the Bible says that he found a world where men love darkness rather than light. And they love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Matter of fact, because they desired to continue in a sinful and evil way, they hated the light. The light did spiritually what light does physically. It expelled the darkness and exposed their deeds. And once the light, spiritual light, expels the darkness and exposes my sinful deeds, then I have just a responsibility as to what am I going to do? Am I going to run to try to find hideness under some other darkness? Or am I going to humble myself and allow the Lord Jesus to cover my sin with his blood and receive him as my Lord and Savior? The volatility of this chapter has been palatable. The aggressiveness of this chapter, there's no denying. And I've, we, I've told you that the chapter opened up with a scheme to accuse and it ends up with stones ready to kill him. And this is the response of the unbelieving Pharisees as they hated, they hated Jesus Christ. The common man didn't hate him. The Bible says that the common man heard him gladly. And the common man, when they heard him gladly and heard about their sin and heard about where they were, they, they were looking to be redeemed. But the religious Pharisee that was finding righteousness in his own deeds, he did not want to acknowledge himself a sinner. You know, the Bible says, for all have sinned, for all have You would be amazed at the response, sometimes even volatile, that people give when you confront them about being a sinner it cuts against their pride. It cuts against their understanding. And sometimes trying to convince people that they're sinners seems impossible. But I want to begin by saying, <clears throat> nobody can be saved until they're first a sinner. You have to acknowledge your sin. You have to see that I'm in the position of condemnation. I'm in the position of separation, my iniquity of separating me with God. I have to understand that when Jesus died <clears throat> on the cross, he didn't just die for a, a macro world, although he did, but he died for me personally. And when he died for me personally, he died for Lee personally, and he died for Bert personally, and he, he died for Danny up there personally. He died for all of us personally. 
And he died for the wage of my sin and for your sin. And they buried him. And then he rose again for our lives. The Pharisees were like people today. They didn't want to acknowledge their sin. They didn't want to acknowledge their their wrong. And therefore, they could not be saved. And so as Jesus turns the light on in their life and their deeds are exposed that they're against God, they, they just went nuts, man. They went nuts. I find that people today even go nuts on the Lord. They curse his name. They deny him. They run from him. They, they, they accuse him. They hate him. They say things about him. They do all kinds of things. I just, I just want you to know, nobody loves you more than God loves you. Nobody. Having said that, I think you'll get a good vision of, of the response here in verse number 48 as we read our Bible. John chapter 8, verse 48. I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. Then I'm going to come back and get verse number 47. <clears throat> the Bible says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. If they would have called him two other things, they couldn't have said two more ugly things to Jesus than what they just said. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see what class? Death. Then said the Jews, second response unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham? Parentheses here, Jesus is greater than all men which is dead, and the prophets are dead? This is Tom's interpretation of the end of that verse. Who in the world do you think you are? Who makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me. Look very carefully at your Bible. Of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him. Just because you say you're a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. But I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. There you go. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was what class? Glad. Verse 57. Then said the Jews, third response 
unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old. He's thirty-three here. And hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus saith unto him, them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, say it. Man, every Christian in every Bible on the planet ought to have that Bible verse. Underlined, highlighted, asterisk, starred, circled, memorized, whatever. Verse 59. No more talking. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by. Three responses. I'll give you the three words I believe describe these responses. You can write them down. Devil, deceiver, and delusional. Devil, deceiver, and delusional. These were the vehement verbal attacks. Last ditch efforts. These were the words prior to picking up the stones. Pastor, how could they say such things about the Lord Jesus, calling him a devil, a deceiver, and a delusional? Well, for that, you have to come back up to verse number 47. Jesus, in his speaking to them, had presented a charge to them. This is where we left last week. He that is of God heareth God's words. Not just in a listening way, but in a reception, an obedient way. Ye, therefore, hear them not, comma, because... Say it out loud, please. Ye are not of God. My title today in finishing the 8th chapter is The Charge. Jesus is in a moment where he is exalting himself as the Son of God. He's exalting himself in recognition of the Father declaring him and sending him to be who he is. These unbelieving pharisaical Jews are rejecting his light. They're rejecting his person. They keep calling him a liar. Now they say he's a devil. They refer to him as delusional. But Jesus is shooting straight with them. And he says, the reason that you don't hear me and the reason you don't receive me is because you don't know me. This is not an accusation. Jesus does not make accusations. The devil is the accuser, but Jesus is making a charge. When you bring a charge, you come with that charge because you have evidence. This is a very powerful moment here because if you would come back to verse number 54, please look at it. Jesus says, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye, what class? Say that he is your God. 
But I'm telling you, he's not. I find that to be true in our world today. I find that people say all things about God and their belief in God, but they're not true. Just because somebody says they're a Christian does not make them a Christian. If you say you're a Christian and your life shows differently, believe their life. Words are words. They can be manipulated. They can be deceitful. So often we just listen to words and we receive them at face value without any evidence. These men are deceivers. These men are saying that they are a believer, but God knows their heart. It's interesting. It takes my mind to a passage. Would you come back, please, to Matthew chapter 7? Hold your hand here. Every eye needs to read this because it puts spiritual goosebumps on my spiritual spine. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is teaching here on his great Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is requiring and is expounding to them to beware of false prophets. He's teaching them the reality of salvation. And you come down to chapter number 7 and look, if you would, at verse number 21. Not everyone that does what? Saith. Unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Those are not my words. Those are God's words. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Now, what you need to know about in that day is the great judgment day when people stand before God. Listen to what they will say. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? That's men like me. That's preachers. Not every preacher is going to heaven. Not every preacher that preaches the gospel has been saved by the gospel. And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Jesus said, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work what class? I don't ever want to hear Jesus say, depart from me, I didn't know you. Jesus is dealing with this mentality in John chapter 8. They say with their words that God is their father. But they do not know him in their heart. And Jesus says, you're calling me a liar. You're the liar. If you're going to present a charge... You better have some evidence. Come back, if you would, to the 8th chapter. Look at verse number 31. About seven things that I find in the chapter that evidence this charge. And I'll just go give them to you briefly. In chapter 8, verse 31, if you continue in my word, the word of God was not in them. 
Salvation is not something that happens outside of you. Salvation is something that happens inside of you. Verse 34, Jesus refers to them as still the servant of sin. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that Christian people can't sin occasionally or we don't sin daily. But it does mean, it doesn't mean that we have sinless lives, but it does mean that we don't live sinful lives. If my life is still bent in the direction of sinfulness without any new master or without any repentance or without any newness, I'm still the servant of sin. Verse 37, they sought to kill Jesus. Verse number 39, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Verse number 41, you do the deeds of your father. Verse 44, he identifies who their father was. Ye are of your father, who class? The devil. In verse number 42, if God were your father, you would love me. Christian people love Jesus Christ. And by the way, we don't just love him in our words, we love him with our deeds. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus said of his commandments, they're not grievous. They're not repulsive. They're not overbearing. In verse number 43, you have the evidence of no spiritual understanding. Why do ye not understand my speech. I would submit to you that the inability to understand spiritual truth is the evidence of the lack of the Spirit of God. That doesn't mean that you have to know the whole Bible. That doesn't mean that some things aren't hard to understand. But the Holy Spirit of God is the illuminator of Scripture. And as the Holy Spirit of God lives within your heart, the Holy Spirit of God is the one that illumines the Word of God. Paul wrote it this way. The natural man, the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I want to ask you a question. Can you process spiritual truth? Do you understand the Spirit of God illuminating truth to you do you sense when you read truth that it is truth do you sense application in truth or is there rejection of that truth as to being foolishness saved people love the word of god unsaved people see the word of god as foolishness jesus says why can't you understand what i'm saying same thing i've said to my kids a billion times Jesus said, let me answer the question for you. Because you don't know me. And because you don't know me, you don't know God. The last evidence is found in verse number 45. And because I tell you the truth, ye, what's that word class? Believe me not. When you take all of this evidence... Jesus comes down to verse number 47 and he says, 
The truth is, you're not of God. Now, they thought they were. They thought themselves to be righteous. They thought themselves to be right with God. But it was all a disguise and an outward physical appearance. But they weren't right with God where it matters. Would you please look me in my four eyeballs? Everybody, please. Okay? The only place it matters for you to be right with God is in your heart. It's with the heart that you believe. Not your mind. Your mind mediates, meditates, premeditated murder, right? You meditate, you formulate, you plan, you assess. But you believe in your heart. By the way, you believe in your heart as your mind works like that. And Jesus said, you think you know me in your heart, but you don't. The response from them was vehement, and it turned volatile. You have a devil, you are a deceiver, and you are delusional. Jesus' response to these are delightful. Look, if you would, at verse 49. To the devil accusation, Jesus said, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. To dishonor the son is to dishonor the father. I seek not mine own glory. There's one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see what class? Death. Now here, here Jesus is standing up for truth. Here Jesus is defending the accusation that he has a devil. If you look at verse number 44, a devil is a murderer. A, dev- a murderer brings about death. Jesus says, I'm not a devil and my words are not going to bring about death. If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. They immediately ridicule that and mock that. And they bring as an example Abraham who died physically. But I submit to you, Abraham did not die spiritually. Pastor, never see death? Does that mean that I won't face, if I become a Christian or I believe upon the Lord, that I won't face death physically? Nope. Hold your hand here and go to what I believe to be one of the most hallowed pieces of Scripture you'll ever find. Revelation chapter 20. You want to read it with your eyeballs. Revelation chapter 20, the last book of the Bible will teach you what the Lord Jesus is speaking of here. In Revelation chapter number 20, as we're ending the book of Revelation, you come to a judgment that is called the great white throne judgment. John references it in verse number 6 as far as this death that we're talking about. Look, if you would please, at chapter 20, verse number 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part In the first resurrection. Now that day has not come, but it will come when Jesus comes back himself and the rapture happens and those that have died, their bodies will be resurrected. By the way, if you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. Look at the power of the first resurrection. Verse number six. On such the second death hath no power. Pastor, are you telling me in my future there are, that i got to die twice? I'm telling you that there is the possibility of two deaths for you. But you do not have to go into the second death. Keep reading. 
But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Drop down to verse number 11 and let me show you what the death is. In verse number 11, there's the moment at the great white throne judgment. Nobody in this room or nobody listening to me wants to be found at the great white throne judgment. I know it sounds great. I know it sounds white. I know it sounds holy and whatever. But it is an awful place that you don't want to be. John says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. We know from the scripture that it will be Jesus sitting on this throne. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. This dead specifically are people who died not believing on Jesus. The thoroughness of this judgment is that the sea will give up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What is the second death, pastor? What is this death that Jesus is talking about that I don't ever have to see? The death that Jesus is talking about in the second death is the spiritual separation for all eternity that you would face in a place called hell. The lake of fire. At the end of the ages, those people that reject Jesus will stand before Jesus. Before Jesus will be the book of life and the book of their deeds. And they will take, Jesus will take the book of their deeds and will compare to the book of life. And you will be found wanting and the wage of your sin will be death. The Bible says at that moment in time. That you will be cast into the lake of fire. Pastor that sounds awful. Why so awful? Come back if you would to John chapter 8. Look if you would please. At verse 23. Thank you for turning in your Bible. I sense your attention. And he said unto them. Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your, what class? Sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, you'll die in your sin. And here's what humanity doesn't understand. Humanity does not understand how offensive sin is to God. Humanity doesn't understand how holy that God is. Humanity doesn't understand that sin brings about death. The wage of sin is death. 
Sin costs the death of the Son of God. Humanity doesn't understand how much God hates sin. And one day, God is going to judge sin complete and thorough and with eternal fire. And if I die in my sin, then I'm in that judgment. Many people say they're not there. But Jesus said, if you don't believe me, you're there. Now, the good news about that is that Thomas Alexander Hunter Jr., that's me. I had one of those books. And all of my deeds and all of my sins were laid out in that book, past, present, and future. And I was dead in those sins on my way to hell until one day I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they grabbed my sin and dipped them in the blood of Jesus. And when he dipped my sin in the blood of Jesus, they took out a pen and they wrote my name in a new book. If your name's written in that book, say amen. Sometimes I wonder if it's in calligraphy. Is it kind of neat, right? I don't care. It's there, baby. Jesus is not a devil. He's God. He didn't come to bring death. He came to save us from the second death. Well, you have to be a deceiver. Because you're, you're, you're telling us in verses 53 and forward that are, do you think you're greater than Abraham? And Jesus is referencing Abraham here. And he references that Abraham rejoiced to see the day of the Lord. He rejoiced to see the day and was glad. You see, they wanted to run to Abraham in a, in a way that protected them from putting faith in Jesus. They wanted to run to Abraham in a way that they could find salvation through their national heritage or through their good deeds or their works. Listen very carefully one more time to Pastor Hunter. From the authority of the word of God, I will not stand here as my opinion. I will stand here behind the desk. Salvation is, has always been, will always be by faith. The Bible said that Abraham rejoiced to see the day of Jesus. We know Abraham saw Jesus twice in the incarnate of Melchizedek and in the pre-incarnate as he was on his way to Sodom. And Jesus himself goes back and says, fellas, you won't believe me. You won't trust me. You won't see me as the Messiah. And you run to Abraham for covering. I'm telling you that Abraham saw my day by faith And believed upon me. The Old Testament saints looked forward to the coming of a Messiah that would take away their sin. Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. Those of us today, we look back to the Messiah that was crucified for us. And both of us put faith in him. Salvation has always been by God's grace. And it's always by faith. So where's your faith in the Lord? Well... You're delusional if you think that. Then said the Jews unto him in verse 57, Thou art not yet 50 years old. Hast thou seen Abraham? 
And Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, fellas, before Abraham was, I am. What is he saying? I'm God. I'm God. I'm eternal God. I'm your God. I'm the God. There's no God but me. I am God. The whole book of John exalts the Lord Jesus as the beginning, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Listen, Jesus is God. He is the one that we will stand before. He is the supreme authority. He is the truth. He is the one that ultimately will will be the one that will judge the earth. He is eternal, and he demands our belief upon him. Verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. I find that's the response of humanity today. They hate Jesus. Pastor, you say they. Who's they? Who hates Jesus? Anyone who knows who Jesus is, anyone that understands that he is the light of the world, anyone that is exposed in their deeds by his person, presence, or preaching, And anyone that runs back to darkness to hide to continue to sin is evidence that they hate Jesus. Oh, no, 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 Pastor. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I don't hate him. Let me tell you something. If you've not received him, you don't know him. If you don't know him, you don't love him. And the opposite of loving him is hating him. And the world is filled with Hatred toward the Lord. If you love him, would you say amen? amen. Christian, can I, can I close this message? The Bible says that Abraham rejoiced to see the day of Jesus. He didn't necessarily see the Lord the way that they did, but he saw the day of the Messiah and it brought joy. I hope you've got joy in your heart today, Christian. I find today that I'm running into a lot of Christians that just... Are absent the joy of God. They got the joy of the Lord when they were saved, but they don't live in light of the joy of the Lord. I wonder where your joy meter is today. It doesn't mean that life is without trouble, trial, test, problem, difficulty, but our joy. It's hard to live as a believer without the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is promised to us. I think one thing that COVID did to the church is it sucked the joy out of everything. For a while we were so socially distant and so covered and so worried and so whatever that everything was awkward. It's good to be back in the house of God with joy, isn't it? Hear me on this and I'll be done. If you're a Christian here today and you're lacking the joy of the Lord, nobody stole your joy. Joy cannot be stolen. It's surrendered. No, pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what I experienced. You don't know where I've been. When I read about the Lord Jesus, even at the moment of the cross, he had a joy that was set before him. If Jesus can endure the cross with joy, 
then we can find joy in the endearment of our life. My joy is never stolen. I've always surrendered it. The same Jesus that saved you is the same Jesus that will keep you. The same Jesus that saves you and keeps you is the same Jesus that walks with you and can care for you. There's no reason for God's people today to be without joy. So I'm asking you on a scale of 1 to 10, put your joy meter down. Where are you? With joy. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for our time today. Thank you for the word of God today. So powerful and so simple is the word of God. It just speaks to our hearts and our minds. Teaches us, it leads us, it guides us. The charge was, you say you know God, but the reality was you do not. I find that today in our society. Everybody wants to say they know God. But if I know God, I know him through Jesus. If I love God, I love Jesus. I've received the Lord. Man hears words and sees the outward appearance, but God, you know our hearts. Much evidence to the contrary that went against what they were saying. And Jesus exposed that. Instead of humbling themselves to that, they called him a devil a deceiver and delusional. And when that didn't work, they picked up stones and they're just going to kill him. I pray today, God, if there's somebody within the sound of my voice and they've never opened up their heart to Jesus today, that today would be the day that they would do that. That they would see in Jesus the love of God. That they would see in the Lord Jesus kindness and forgiveness and cleansing. We don't, we're not saved from an intellectual vantage point. We cannot do enough good deeds to be saved. If we're going to be saved, it has to be with our heart. And then God, once we've asked the Lord into our heart, he brings the joy of God. I pray today for the Christians that lack joy. All they can see are their problems. All they can feel is their pain. All they can see is heartache. All they can hear is the disparity of the world. I pray today that we would focus our heart and our mind on our Savior, who is our joy. We will submit ourselves and surrender and trust you, and you'll bring the joy of gladness and the joy that comes in the morning with the Lord into our lives. Abraham rejoiced in the Lord. What a, what a thought. I wonder today, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you'd be so kind, we always give a moment of invitation. The pastor always asks questions. And this is an opportunity for you to respond. I wonder today, do you know for sure if you died today, you would go to heaven? Pastor, nobody can know that for sure. The Bible says we can. Do you know? I'm asking you personally. Do you know for sure? Do you feel confident, safe, secure in the salvation of the Lord? If not, today you could. Today could be that day. We would love to take a Bible and show you how that could happen. There will be men here at the front, ladies. If you'd have enough courage just to come and say, you know what, I, I think I want to be saved. we take a Bible and show you how. Christian, where's your joy in the Lord? Nobody steals my joy. 
I surrender my joy. Abraham didn't have an easy life, had a very difficult life. He even had sin in his life, had disobedience in his life. But out of that was the joy of the Lord. I hope you have joy in your life today. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, God, as we have our time of invitation, I need you to speak to hearts. I need you to prick hearts. I need you to reveal yourself very personal and very intimate into the mind and the heart of the people. Not Tom. Tom can't help them. But Jesus can help them. So in this moment of invitation, powerfully draw people to yourself. If there be somebody here that would like to be saved today, let them come forward. Let us take a Bible. Don't let the crowd keep them or fear keep them. Let nothing keep them from coming to have Jesus as their Savior. And let God's people come and do business today with joy. We'll trust you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Our song is on the screen. You know it softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. Men of God, be in the aisle ready to receive the people. The altar is open, Christian. You lead the way. If you'd like to be saved, come. Tell us. We'll take a Bible and show you how you could have a relationship with God today. Lift your voice now. so much for listening today and for loving the Lord and loving the Word of God. Never do I take for granted God's moving in our services and moving in our hearts. I hope, I hope and pray that as you sit there and listen to the preaching of the Word of God, that you sense God speaking to you. If you do, would you say amen to that? Ever, ever, it ought to be just you and God. You, you, you. It's designed, services and messages are designed to be personal. Sometimes he verbalize it to me. Did my wife call you? Did my husband call you? No. 
But God knows our hearts. God knows what we need. And God feeds us. So as you sit there and God feeds you, then you're responsible for what God told you to do. And the response of that, I pray that God moves in a mighty way in our hearts that way. Never take for granted that God does that. It's the evidence of life within a church. I hope you take the name of Jesus with you everywhere you go. That's our song to go home today. God bless you. Be careful. Be in prayer. See you back Wednesday night. Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. God bless you all. You are dismissed.